The book was better. And we're back. That time it's worked. Yeah, it's working. It's recording. We are recording. All righty. Episode two. Episode dos. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Which I only realized this time around, like, is kind of a silly name. Like, for a founder of Hogwarts to come up with, like, the Chamber of Secrets. It just makes oh. me think of like it was like a silly name for the book. Like, no, like I'm just think thinking so. the Chamber of Secrets is like such a silly name. And I didn't think about it until I was reading through this time. And then I was like, that's kind of dumb. <laughs> I think it's pretty fitting for uh, Salazar Slytherin. He seemed like kind of a dramatic guy. Yeah, probably. Anyway, so that's my random comment. <laughs> Um, well, before we get into it too much, um, hi, I'm, I'm Kaylee Clark. <laughs> I'm Taylor Collette. Welcome back. And this is The Book Was Better. <laughs> We're never going to have an official opening or entrance, so just deal with that as awkwardly as possible each time. Yep. <laughs> um, We're not pros. No. Um, before we move on also, um, a couple things that I thought of after, like while I was going through and editing the first episode, um, a couple like, corrections, I don't even know if I would really consider it corrections, but I mentioned the audiobook and then realized that there are two different audiobooks with different readers. And the one oh. I'm talking about is the one by Jim Dale. I didn't know there were two. Yeah. So one apparently is like more popular in the U.S. and one is more popular in the U.K. I didn't know that. I assumed it was just the one I had listened to, which is the one by <laughs> Jim Dale. <laughs> so wanted to share that. Um, also, I felt like we probably should mention a little bit more about because everybody knows that the books were written by J.K. Rowling, but the movies at least both the first and second movie. I'm, I didn't do, I didn't check all of them yet because we're, we haven't talked about all of them yet, but the first movie and the second one as well were both directed by Chris Columbus and both of the screenplays were by Steve Cloves. You can see that in the first and the second, there's a lot of consistency in the writing yeah. and in the directing style. Like you can tell it was the same people. The third one is where it changes up. So I'm not going to go into it because that's for next time. But mm -hmm. when we do move on to the third, I'll probably mention a few things about how you can tell when it switches. There's a lot of big changes that happen that you're like, oh, that's a different director. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so I just feel like it's important to mention. And that's something that we forgot to mention when doing the first one was the director and the screenplay writer. So we're um, learning but yes, but they're the same for the first and the second. So the second movie was also directed by Chris Columbus and the screenplay was Steve Kloves. Um, Of course, all of the books were written by J.K. Rowling. So yes, that'll be um, consistent. Yes, that that part will be consistent. Um, and then also my headphone just fell out. It's fine. We're fine. We're good. <laughs> um, 
announcements wise, I don't know if you had any corrections or anything that you anything from the first episode that you thought of. I didn't edit the first one, so I didn't yeah, listen no, to true. it back. Yeah. <laughs> but you kind you might have just thought of something. I don't know. I didn't want to move on before. A lot of the, the things that I something. thought of, I'll probably mention this week as we okay. get into the second, because like we said, with the same director and the same screenwriter, like there's a lot of similarities between the first and second. So I may reference back to last week. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, go and do that, please. <laughs> and then come back well, and listen to this one. Or two weeks ago. The last other episode. Yeah, because it's like we don't release an episode every episode week. Episode one. There we go. Episode yes. one. Two weeks ago. The episode from two weeks ago. Yeah. If you haven't listened to Listen, that one. <laughs> it's a lot of reading and movie watching and it's it's time consuming preparing for this podcast. We can't we can't promise a weekly release. So especially as we keep going and the books get longer, get longer. and longer. <laughs> yeah. I was looking at book four today just because it was like on my bookshelf next big. to the other books. And I was like, oh, that book is way bigger than like the first three. It's like it's like the first three combined job. almost. Yeah, it's big. So, um, okay. Well, so those were kind of like my corrections. Um, but then announcements. Um, so last week, last week, I, I've, I've got to stop saying that now too. Last episode, there we, um, go. we talked about our social media pages on Instagram and Twitter, TBWB podcast. Um, we also now have a Facebook page if you want to go like and follow us there um, to also see additional posts and additional grievances and fan faux pas as well as um being reminded when we release new episodes and what books we're doing next and whatnot so oh but i did have a question for you before we dive in mm -hmm. so for you having two kids do you find it easier to find the time to watch the movie or to read the book to find the time I don't I don't know about speaking of children. I hear one of them woke up. My husband's dealing with it, but <laughs> um, or not necessarily find the time, but like which is easier for you to do. Um, so watching the movies, I can watch the movies with my kids. That's what I was wondering. And it doesn't matter so much. But when <laughs> sorry, this is where I can like hear them. In the background, um, I don't think my microphone's picking them up, but <laughs> I can hear them still. If you hear crying children, that's if what you it hear is. Crying, that's why. <laughs> so yeah, we record this at night so that my children are asleep. But because um, I have a almost three year old and a one year old, so I watch the movies with my kids present because at least these first couple I don't think get too scary or anything. But I myself just love reading. So I don't yeah, know what I would say is easier. For me, I find it so hard to get up the energy and the commitment to watch the movies because it's like you have to do it in one sitting <laughs> and they're so long. I forgot how long they are. They're like over two hours long. That's a lot of time to just are they like even the first ones. I didn't yeah. feel like they were that long. Yeah, they're over two hours. And so I was like, oh, dang, that's a lot of time for me to just sit down and watch a movie. Whereas the book, I feel like it's like chapter by chapter. I can just like I have it on my phone because I read it on Kindle. And so I'm like reading it chapter by chapter in my spare time. 
like earlier today I was in the pool on a floaty and I had my phone and I was reading it and it's just like so much easier for me to read the book. But I wonder if for some people they're like, oh, no, watching the movies way easier. Well, I think with things like Kindle and also, like I mentioned earlier, like audiobooks, um, there it is a lot easier now to find time to read, quote unquote, read because if or listen to um, I know with this book, it was about half of it I read and about half of it I listened to um, mm. during my commutes to and from work because each chapter is about a 30 to 35 minute long, like listening to it. Um, and that's about the length of my drive to and from work. So um, that's something that's that's what I do. Mm. But I, I really like reading the books because I like basically directing my own movie in my head and picturing yeah, it the way that it should have happened as we will discuss. <laughs> yes. But there you go. There's a question for you all. Go over to our social media platforms, TBWB podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and let us know whether you like watching the movies better or reading the books more, because I'm sure there's a lot of different opinions. So go on over there and let us know how you feel. Yeah. what What's going to win? Movies or books? For convenience sake, not story sake. <laughs> yes. Because that's a different question entirely. But <laughs> um, so like we mentioned this week, we are going to be talking about Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. It's Harry Potter's second year at Hogwarts um, where um, students, specifically muggle-born students, start getting attacked by an unknown thing. <laughs> and <laughs> Harry and his friends basically work on figuring out the mystery. There's a, a brief, very poorly off the top of my head synopsis. <laughs> um, Obviously, spoilers ahead as we're about to ahead. dive into yeah. the story. Let's get into it. Yeah. All right. So Do you want I me to think... start this week? Because you started last week. Yeah. I was going to say, I think I went first last week or last yeah. episode. Again, it was not last week. It was two weeks ago. But um, we'll get it. So we'll get there. Uh, you, go, you go first this time. And just to remind everybody, kind of the format we do is we kind of do a three, two, one in order of like what bugs us the most. How so passionate we, do like, we are. Yeah. <laughs> Our biggest grievance we do at the end, basically. With a few honorable mentions here and there. Yes. And some positives as you know, we're not only negative. No, and 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 like we mentioned in the last episode as well, we're not saying the the movie was bad. We're just no. mentioning some things that would have made it better. <laughs> in our humble opinions. Yes. All right. Okay, shoot. So here we go. My number three has to do with the way the movie treats magic outside of school. And this is something that kind of consistently happens throughout the series, I've noticed. And I think a lot of people who only watch the movies frequently are like, wait, how did this he like do that? I thought they weren't allowed to use magic outside of school. And you're like, well, it didn't happen in the book. That's why. Yeah. And so <laughs> like in this book specifically, 
like or a they tiny... might wonder, like, why did they use magic to get out of that situation, but then didn't use it to get out of this situation? And it's like, because the movies bend the rules. <laughs> yeah, and like, not even consistently. <laughs> and so, like, one of the small things is they have Hermione fix Harry's glasses in Diagon Alley, which, like, is fine. Normally, she did the same thing in the first one in the movie, not in the book. But... Like, she's not, even in Diagon Alley, underage wizards aren't allowed to do magic outside of Hogwarts. So in the book, it's actually Mr. Weasley that fixes his glasses, because he's an adult. He can use magic whenever he wants. And so I'm like, why did you need Hermione to do it? Like, we know she's good at magic. You don't need to, like, add that into. And also, we know that Hermione is, like, of the bunch, the biggest against rule breaking, typically. So yeah. she's not so, just going to whip her wand out <laughs> and do a spell in front of everybody. Yeah, like they're 12. <laughs> and then the scene that they totally take out of the movie is after Dobby shows up, the pudding fiasco happens, except in the movie, he drops it on her head, whereas in the book, it's just on the ground in the kitchen. Like, it's not that yeah, big of just, a deal. He just, like, drops it on the floor. Yeah. He just drops it on the floor. Well, I mean, so it's that it... still frustrating to the Dursleys. They're still mad about it, but it's not but it's, like... It didn't drop on her head. Like, they, they went especially mean in the movie there. Yeah. <laughs> Dobby's a jerk. <laughs> um, but then after that happens, Dobby leaves. And the thing that really, like, sends the Masons, the people that came to the dursleys to try to make the deal what sends them over the top is when an owl shows up drops a letter on the lady's head and they're like that's what gets dropped on her head it's and a birds. letter <laughs> blah 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 and then they run away and that's when they get ticked and mr dursley's like read the letter like what does it say and it's a warning to harry about we saw that you used a levitation charm Blah, 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 at this place. Well, As what it you specifically know, says was we've been notified that a levitation charm has been used. And so he's the only wizard say, at that address. Yeah. So they're like, it must be you. And he's like, no. <laughs> but it says in the letter, underage wizards are not to use magic outside of Hogwarts. And this is something the Dursleys didn't previously know. So that's why they never like locked him up. They never really pushed him too hard because they were scared he was going to use magic on them. So then they mm -hmm. figure out, oh, he can't use magic. All right, we going to lock you in your room, put bars on your window, add a cat door so that that's how you get your food. We'll let you out twice a day for bathroom breaks. Like they yeah, only do that because they now mean. know that Harry can't do magic outside of school. In the movie, that's not very clear. And so it's like. It just didn't flow as seamlessly as it did in the book, like yeah. it was more clearly explained the order of events and why it happened in the book. Agreed. And, and, and like you said, that happens in other books, too. Yeah, it's the something we'll see differ. again. But I think this one specifically, especially with the letter coming and the fact that they just like totally cut that out. Yeah. That was like a big problem for me i was like you have owls like you could have had this scene but they thought it was more dramatic to have the pudding drop on our head yeah so that's my number three okay so my number three is 
kind of an overarching thing that I've got a couple of examples of, but it's in general, the lack of Fred and George Weasley. Um, in the books, Fred and George are in a lot of scenes I that they're them. kind of, they're either in the background or completely left out of in the movie. Okay, so I'll, so the, the first one being with the flying car and them coming to get Harry. In the book, Fred and George, like, after they rip the grate, getting the, rid of the bars on the window, that's not what wakes up the Dursleys. No, they, like, because... try to be quiet in mm -hmm. the book because they're like, we don't want to wake them up. We don't want them to stop us. In the movie, they're like, exactly. who cares? <laughs> Make a ruckus. So in the... Yeah, because in the book, they're like really careful to like catch the bars before they hit the ground and all they this stuff. They pull them into the car. Yeah. And then it's like so that it's not loud. Silent. And Fred and George get out of the car and climb through the window to help Harry get all of his stuff. And then what because ends up waking Harry's up the Dursleys stuff, is Hedwig. <laughs> Harry's stuff in the book has been locked under the stairs this entire time. It's not in his yeah. room. So when he's locked in his room, it's not like he has his magic books or anything like that. And Fred and George know how to pick locks yeah. with like bobby pins because they're troublesome mischief doing <laughs> like. But like they also they, they don't want to use magic outside of school. Exactly. Back they to the know fact that, that they, they can. So they learned <laughs> a muggle trick they refer to it as. But um, so. That's one scene that they like. Yes, they're in the car, but otherwise it's not the same. I feel like frequently what same. happens with Fred and George is they'll put them in. They'll make them present, but take away the like effect that they had on the scene in the book. And in the movie, mm -hmm. they're just kind of there. They don't really do much. They're just kind of there. Yeah. And so like another one is um and just in general, I wish we had seen more of the burrow when Harry went to the Weasleys. But a big one there, too, is Fred and George and Ron as punishment from their mom. They have to go and denome the garden mm. and they show Harry, you know, basically how magic life and living in a magic household works and, um, you know, give him tips and about using the flu powder and they tease him about all sorts of things and they almost bring him in him as Quidditch. another brother yeah and 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 they like give him quidditch tips and that they go to this field that's like surrounded by a bunch of trees so that they can as long as they fly low enough they can like practice quidditch and you know the regular old muggle townsfolk won't notice um so there's those things um so at the very end of the book it's not like they find out that Ginny goes into that Harry and Ron find out that Ginny has gone into the Chamber of Secrets and then they immediately go to Lockhart's office. They're like in the common room and it's it talks about how it's like Fred, George, Ron and Harry sitting Well, my voice like you cut out there, but like <laughs> it's sitting so dramatic in the, in the common room <laughs> together like brothers basically yeah it's almost like fred and george really pull harry in as if he's another brother and treat him very similarly to the way they treat ron um and so that i feel like that was a pretty impactful scene in the movie i mean in the book that was completely left out of the movie well, um another big one is the bludger scene 
when oh, yeah, and the, the bludger rogue scene, Fred and George bludger, are right next to Harry, protecting him from the bludger. When the rogue bludger comes at Harry, I mean, because when I was watching the movie, because I watched the movie first, and I was like, in this version, ignoring the book, it looks like no one else on the team cares. Cares. Yeah, They're like, right? oh, it's just chasing him. It's fine. And like, none of the teachers care. Like, only Hagrid cares. Like, and it has Hermione, like, blow up the bludger. Like, that's not what happens at all in the book. Fred no, and George, who are all. the beaters, they're in charge of dealing with the bludgers, are right there by Harry the entire time until finally they're like, we need to call a timeout. They are the mm-hmm. ones that get a timeout called. And then Harry goes. Because they, they, they finally, like, get Wood's attention and they're like, bro, like, why no, are you letting this go Hagrid's on Hagrid's so not long? the one that's like, it's been tampered with. It's Fred and George who are like, that thing's been tampered with. We need to call the game. And the only reason they don't is because Harry's like, no, I'm not losing to Slytherin. You guys go do your thing. I'll be fine. Yeah. Like, well, don't Wood, worry about Wood it. Wood is all, Oliver Wood. He's the captain of the Quidditch team was all like, Fred, George, where are you? Where were you when that bludger, you know, prevented? I can't remember which chaser it was from scoring. And they they're like angry and they're like, are you kidding we're preventing Harry from getting killed <laughs> like, yeah. because, yeah, they're basically flying on each side of Harry, just knocking this bludger away. And over they like and give over Oliver over Wood a hard time because Oliver Wood's like so ride or die about Quidditch. He's like, oh my gosh, it's hilarious. Catch the snitch all or die about. trying. And they're like, which is what dare you tell in him that room in the book. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, exactly. I think it's George who says like. Because Harry does say, like, no, we got to win. Like, Fred, George, leave me alone. I can take care of the bludger on my own, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And one of the twins, I think it's George, but it could have been Fred, goes, wow, yeah. Catch the snitch or die trying, Harry. Great advice, Wood. Like, he's all like, like they're like older then. brothers. Honestly. Yeah, they're all protective of him. And I think that as you go throughout the rest of the books versus the movies, you realize that, like, if you've only seen the movies, no wonder people are like, why do you like Fred and George so much. Like, I mean, they're funny, but like, I don't know. I don't really care. But like, if you read the books, they're so much more present. You get to know them. You're like, I love them so much. (laughs) Oh yeah. And so as my final example, when Malfoy calls Hermione a mudblood, Mm -hmm. not only does like, so Ron goes to like jinx, you know, put a spell on Malfoy. The rest of the, um, Gryffindor team, team, have to physically hold Fred and George back from, like, tackling uh, Malfoy and the rest of the Slytherin team. Like, yeah, I, I missed that outrage, like the outrage of everyone in the book. I mean, in the movie, because that's what happens in the book. And it just, again, goes to show how Fred and George kind of have taken Ron's friends to be a part of their family mm-hmm. and they're protective of all of them. Mm-hmm. So, well, like, and even like Alicia's yelling, like, how dare you? Like, yeah, she's so. mad about it. It's like the whole Quidditch team is like in an uproar then. But like, yeah, Fred and George are ready to fight. <laughs> yeah. So I just last episode, I talked about Ron getting disrespected. This episode, I'm talking about how Fred and George got disrespected. So oh, that's, the that's my number three. It's all right. We'll get to the rest of the Weasleys at some point because yes. all of them have been disrespected at one point or another. And they're the best family in this book. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. That was one that was really getting to me, too, because I loved Fred and George rereading this time. I was like, 
they're so important and I'm so sad we didn't get to see them as much. And even Percy, who I mean, like, you don't love Percy as much. He's kind of annoying. But even him, they like pretty much cut out. Well, and and where he is in the movie. He's just like annoying for annoyance's sake. And it doesn't make sense. Like just for the just to move the plot along. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Percy's there. Being like, annoying. Oh, yeah. Percy stops Harry and Ron when they're, you know, poly juiced into crab and yeah. Goyle. But it doesn't explain at all why Percy is down in the dungeons. In the books, you would know it's because he's sneaking around meeting his secret girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. And they like kind of hints at that in the movie when like he nearly headless Nick goes like, Ah, Mr. Weasley, Miss Clearwater, because it's like, that's her name, Penelope Clearwater. And but, so, but I mean, it's. If you didn't read the book, you wouldn't you, have understood that like, at all. Whatever. <laughs> and so, again, whole Weasley family getting shafted, because, like, yes, Percy can be annoying, but he has endearing moments, too. And he, and you he's can a, tell, he plays a protective older brother as well. You can tell he's just trying to be like a good son. And he's just he wants to be the very best. Like, no one ever was. <laughs> and so <laughs> just going off his real quest. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> different franchise. Um, and so, yeah, I just. Off of Fred and George, Percy as well got a little shafted. So that's. Yeah. Just how it is. Okay, and with so that, two. we can go into my number two, which covers a little bit about Ron. Because, <laughs> I mean, there's just some moments again in this movie where they just kind of skip over Ron and how much of a good friend he is and like who mm -hmm. he is, what his character's like. Like in the book, you get to see his room and you see that it is decked out in his Quidditch team. What is it? The Chud Chudley Cannons? It's not the Cuddly Cannons. <laughs> um, I know it's the Cannons. I know. What is it? The Chudley Cannons. Yeah, it's the it Chudley is the Chudley Cannons. Cannons? Okay. Mm -hmm. I just thought that word sounded weird. I'm not British. Maybe it means something. Um, but it's like decked out. In Chudley Cannon gear, like his bedspread, posters all over the walls. And he's like, he's a big Quidditch fan. He's like super into it. You don't really learn that in the movie. And then like another Until team much later when suddenly he, you know, wants to be on the team. And it's like, it's where did this really come a sudden from? Thing. He's loved Quidditch like the yeah. entire time. <laughs> Honestly, um, another spot. I'm just reading through my notes. Um, when the mudblood scene, going back to that, because that one was just so misrepresented in the movie. It's very upsetting. So Harry and Hermione in the book have no clue what mudblood means. Like mm -hmm. they realize which it's makes sense. It's probably <laughs> offensive. The analogy I always do is imagine that someone insults you in another language. You're like, the tone is insulting. You probably insulted me. I don't know what it means. But if you had a friend mm -hmm. that spoke that language, they're going to be ticked. They're going to be like, what did you just call my friend? And that's why Ron is the one that's like cursing Malfoy, getting super upset. He's the one in Hagrid's hut 
who's like going off and like Hermione's like in between throwing up slugs. Yes. (laughs) And Hermione's like, I don't know, felt offensive, I guess, because she's a muggle born wizard, witch, you know. And yes, she's, she wouldn't I'm, know what it meant. I'm sure they're like, well, Hermione knows everything. It's like, no, but she's not going to look up dirty slang. That's not Hermione. <laughs> no, that's actually something that happens pretty frequently, too. Again, in this one is Hermione says all these things that in the book, it's Ron who says them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why would Hermione say that? Hermione isn't was, you know, wasn't raised in the wizarding world. Why would she know that hearing voices, even in the wizarding wizarding world, isn't a good sign? Ron says that in the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And like there's this point where they after the flying car scene, they get pulled in. You know, Snape gets all mad. McGonagall's like, I'm not going to expel you. And then in the book, they she brings them dinner She's like makes them eat dinner in there. She's like, you can't go to the Great Hall like you have to wait here and then go to the common room. And Harry's like, I wanted to go to the Great Hall like I wanted to see everybody. And Ron says she didn't want us showing off. She doesn't want people to like think it's clever arriving by flying car. And I'm like, that's Mm -hmm. a super smart insight right there that Ron has that just gets ignored in the movie. It's like, no, he knows what's going on. He's a smart well, it cookie. also shows him being a supportive brother because he's like, I wanted to see my sister getting sorted. And, mm-hmm. you know, McGonagall's like she got sorted into Gryffindor and Ron's like relieved and he's like, oh, good. And like, yeah. Yeah, honestly, he's, he's a good brother. He's a good friend. He's not near as cowardly and. And it's the same. He sticks by Harry through all of the Slytherin's air nonsense. You know, like he's always there supporting him and it's just. And so we're Fred and George, by the way, because that's another thing that they don't put in the movie is yeah. Fred and George like jokingly like refer oh, to man, Harry it was as so good. The, like the heir of Slytherin and blah, blah, blah. And Harry's like, he didn't mind it when Fred and George d- did it because he knew that they were joking because they didn't believe it could possibly be him <laughs> like yeah like they would like go down the hall and be like, make way for the heir of slytherin heir of slytherin coming through and like make a big joke about it which is like just what harry needed in that mm-hmm. moment and like percy gets kind of upset about it because he's like this isn't a joke and ron and fred and george are like whatever like it's obviously <laughs> like, we don't care what you think percy yeah <laughs> and so it's yeah So that's the thing about Ron. Hermione, they give her all of this stuff about being super smart, but they take out in this movie one of her key character developments, which is her being the one pushing them to break the rules. Mm -hmm. Like with the Polyjuice potion, Harry and Ron are like, uh, I don't know. This seems dangerous and like we could get expelled and. Hermione's like, especially because they're chickens. terrified of Snape. <laughs> they really don't like Snape. No. And they would have to steal from Snape's Yeah, that's something else they cut out. The, the fact that they had potion. to steal from Snape. The fact that Hermione had to get a signed paper to go to the restricted section to get mm-hmm. 
the book in the first place. They trick Lockhart into signing it. <laughs> in the it. movie, she just like pulls the book off the shelf in the library. Like it would just yeah. be lying around like I'm for like, any student to read. It's a serious potion. Like it's in the restricted section. And she straight up is like, fine, if you guys don't want to do it, I'll go return this book tomorrow. So are you in or what, you chickens? Like... <laughs> She like goes well, hard that She's also like, okay, you guys create a distraction. I think I should be the one that actually steals the stuff from Snape's off. And it's just like, yeah, because she's like, Who I have a perfect person? record, and you guys are close to being expelled, so I'll steal from Snape. You're like, what the heck? <laughs> and it's so good though, because it shows character development. Like she's no longer just this like snooty rule following know it all. She's mm-hmm. like she even there's uh, one of the best lines she says, which they cut is like Muggleborns being killed is way more important than following the rules. Yeah, like, yeah, I totally agree. And she has this great character development that you do not see in the movie. Like this movie, she's just the same know-it-all rule following kind of slightly annoying girl that she well, wasn't the first she's movie. a know-it-all again about things that she wouldn't know. No. <laughs> because then again, uh, after the parcel tongue, you know, parcel mouth scene in the movie, again, it has Hermione saying all this stuff. And it's like she in the book is silent during the majority of that conversation. It's mm-hmm. Ron who's like, whoa, this is no, weird. like. This is weird. Oh, that's what you were saying? No, this is what it looked like. This is what it sounded like. No, parcel tongue's not common at all. Blah, 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 blah. And then at the end, Hermione's like, yeah, that doesn't look so good. You know, like. Yeah. She's not. So she I reads wish, a lot of books, but I, she's not going to know everything. So Similar to the first one. I wish that instead of giving her other people's development, they had just kept the development she had in the book in the first place. Yeah. Agreed. And then finally, let's talk a little bit about Harry, who I love so very dearly. And they did him wrong just a few times. I mean, overall, like they did great. He's great in the movie. But like, I just feel like they don't quite get how like terribly he's treated by the Dursleys. Like they don't Mm -hmm. show that like, again, he's only let out twice a day. He gets his food through a little flap and he's stuck in there for like a while because the. Oh, and they locked Hedwig's cage. You do see the lock so for on months, the cage. His poor owl. Yeah. Was not allowed out. of. And a there's cage. like this scene where he gets the soup, the cold soup, a bowl of cold soup. That's his dinner. He drinks most of it and then gives Hedwig like the vegetables at the bottom. So she has something to eat. And Hedwig's like, are you kidding? And he's like. It's all I got. <laughs> like, he's not even well, and then, fully and eating his mad at him for, like, the first, a like, while. half of the school year. Like, it's not until, like, December Christmas. that she, like, comes to him and, like, he's like, oh, are you not mad at me anymore? Yeah, like, <laughs> poor guy. It's not his fault. And so there's there's that part. There's the part. Oh, man, this, like, breaks your heart and you don't see it in the movie when he goes to the borough there's a line in there where it says like the weirdest part about all of it wasn't the magic was anything like that it was that everyone liked him and you're like oh my goodness (laughs) like that's so heartbreaking it's It's such a simple line but it's heartbreaking because he's not used to people being nice at home he's not used to people 
helping him like wanting him to be around and like talking to him and being interested yeah. in what he has to say and like allowing him to ask questions and so like that part i wish that they had just shown that a little bit more spent more time in the burrow showing that harry finally got this taste of what a family's like and what having a home is like and what being liked mm-hmm. is like like yeah <laughs> like what what family yeah mm-hmm um and it was just it was yeah so that part was sad in the book and man in the movie <laughs> and then the part with the flu powder in the movie he just forgets how to talk all of a sudden and it's just like <laughs> diag- diagonally you're like what's wrong with you <laughs> but in the movie i mean in the book it's like overwhelming because like Fred and George are giving him advice. Ron's giving him advice. Mrs. Weasley's giving him advice. Mr. Weasley's giving him advice. And they're like, don't do this. Make sure you do this. Don't do this. So he's like freaked out. Well, and not to mention that in the book, they explain it, that it's like, make sure you step out at the right fireplace. Yeah. There's like different fireplaces. Make sure you wait until you see Fred and George on the other side. Yeah. Then and go. then step out. <laughs> like it's a much more complicated process. And so he gets he and you throw the flu powder down first, then step into the fire. Way scarier. Into the flames, which would be (laughs) freaky. Yeah. So he does that. He breathes in like ashes from the fire, essentially. Yeah. Is coughing and is like like diagonally. And so then it's like obviously not going to work. But it's not like he just forgets how to talk. Like he's not dumb. Yeah. So there's that whole part. And then there's also like the part with Quidditch, which we kind of already talked about, where it's not like he's just has this bludger coming after him and everyone's like. Poor Harry, like, (laughs) I'm just going to leave him like Dumbledore's in the stands and you're telling me he's not doing anything about it. Yeah, honestly, like, no, they call the timeout and then Harry's the one that's like. It's fine. Like, I can deal with it. I can catch the snitch while this bludger tries to kill me. Like, I got this. Not to mention that in the book, when he breaks his arm, it's a lot more gruesome, a lot more yes. painful. And he literally passes out after he catches the snitch. Yes. It hits him in the, in the elbow. In the movie, it doesn't look. And I get like, it. They it, were trying he, to make like, it more PG. <laughs> but. But like it, it hits him in the elbow. It says his arm is at an awkward angle. Which means it's probably like bent the wrong direction and like it's not just his forearm that doesn't have bones. It's his whole arm that doesn't have bones and it's just (laughs) flopping around. (laughs) The way they describe it in the book, it's like the imagery is disgusting. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's it's like a long rubber glove, basically. Yes, a flesh colored, a flesh colored, long rubber glove. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, I could go into more about Harry and, like, there's moments of sass that we don't get to see. Like, he has some very sassy lines that we don't get to see. The way he Mm -hmm. interacts with Tom Riddle, like, he just seems so, like, timid and shy in the movie compared to the book. Like, it's just stuff like that. Sorry to disappoint you, but... Um, you're not the most powerful wizard in the world. I'll just double Yeah, like, <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, he's standing up to him, but it's not quite, it doesn't quite hit the same as it does in the book. Yeah. And so, and like the fact that when he, 
this is like jumping back to the beginning, but when he goes with the Weasleys to Diagon Alley and they originally go to Green Dots first and it mm-hmm. shows how poor the Weasleys are. Like they go to their vault and like Mrs. Weasley's on the ground scraping every last like nut and nut and sickle sickle yeah. and like one whole galleon into her purse and like cleans out the vault. And then when they get to Harry's, Harry like tries to hide his as he just like scr- hurries and grabs them because he feels so awkward that he has all this money. And he's like, I don't like it's so just awkward for him. And then when he goes to meet Lockhart and gets the whole full collection of books for free, he Mrs. Weasley doesn't take them like in the movie. He gives them to Ginny. Because in the book, like, it makes clear you take these ones. I'll buy my I'll own. buy my own. Yeah. He's like, I don't want these free ones. I don't need this pity stuff. And like because in the book, it makes clear that not only does like second years need to buy all the books. But every year needs to buy all the books. Yeah. That's <laughs> Percy, Fred, George, Ron, and Ginny. Five sets five of all sets. the books. Yeah. Which are not cheap because Lockhart ain't cheap. <laughs> Lockhart is full of himself. And But speaking of Lockhart, that's something that the movie did fantastic. Because oh my goodness. Be real, Kenneth Branagh did so well a done. phenomenal job. He was the perfect Lockhart. So good. Well, like... And like he did an amazing job. Yes, he's more annoying. He's even more annoying in the books. But I think that the way that the movie portrayed him, spot on, brilliant. Oh my gosh, he was so well. And just the Kenneth Branagh has like the way he did the smile, and he's got the blonde hair, the, the wavy blue blonde hair, the sparkle, and the the robes. They like the costume people did a great job dressing him in like the bright colors, the clean pressed mm-hmm. robes all the time. But yeah, no, Harry gives his books to Ginny. And I wish that that had gone shown because he's like, let me help you out. So you at least only have to buy four sets instead of five. Like, yeah. I have the money to buy my own. Not to mention, I'm sure Ginny was just giddy about that. <laughs> yeah, because that's another thing. The book shows a lot more Ginny in general, as uh-huh. well as just more foreshadowing in general that... Ginny was the one being used. Yeah, in the movie, but. it like every once in a while will pan to her being like, <gasps> but like then it pans to everyone else being. <gasps> so it's like not that clear. But in the book, mm-hmm. it's like Ginny's been freaking out about this. Ginny's been like really upset about that. Something is going on with Ginny Weasley. Yeah. Like you're like, why is she so dramatic about this? And then at the end, you're like, oh, that's why she's been so dramatic. Yeah. Because <laughs> she was the one doing it all. So, yeah, I mean, Harry still, they did a really good job. And Daniel Radcliffe does a great job of portraying him. But again, it's the writers and the way that they decided to write his lines in the movie that mm-hmm. I just wish they'd shown a bit more of what you get to see about him in the book. Right. Agreed. Yep. All right. That's my number two. What's yours? Um, so my number two may not seem like a big thing, but it's something that I just really wish had been included. And that is the death day party. Mm. Um, for those who've only read or who have only seen the movie and not read the book, they wouldn't know that Harry gets invited to Sir Nicholas's or nearly headless Nick's death day party. It's his 500th death day party. It's been 500 years. 
since, since his since the day he died. That's why it's his botched death beheading. Day. <laughs> Which yeah. how many times and did he get? It was like fifty times that. Oh, it was like forty-seven. Yeah, it was like fifty times axe. that they swung the axe at his head. Because it shows how he's applied to become a part of the headless hunt and his application got denied because he's not truly headless. And because of that, he wouldn't be able to play these different games at the headless hunt play because you have to be able to completely remove your head, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so Sir Patrick is like the head of the headless hunt um, (laughs) and he's coming to the death day party and... Nick is like, you know, Harry, if you wanted to come and then when Sir Patrick arrives, you could maybe mention to him how frightening and and distinguished you think I am, you know, like. Well, and um, he specifically invites Harry because he's like, it's Harry Potter. Like, can you imagine having mm-hmm. Harry Potter, the celebrity at your death day party? Like, that'll impress him. Yep. And he's like, you know, and, and, and this also goes to show that Sir Nicholas, who is the, you know, Gryffindor ghost how well he knows the Gryffindor students, because he says by name, he's like, you know, Mr. Weasley and Miss Granger would be free to join you. Like, you're welcome to bring them along with you. And it's on Halloween. So they miss the Halloween feast. Yeah, it also shows they're very nice. Like, Harry, Ron, and Mm -hmm. Hermione are nice. They care. Because they miss the the Halloween feast at Hogwarts. They talk about how amazing it is. Like, everyone looks forward to it. past the doors... And the amazing smells and sights and everything to go down to this dingy, very cold basement because it's filled with ghosts. It's it's the dungeon. Celebrate Nick's. They death call it day the party, dungeons which, for a reason. Yeah, yeah, it's in one of the dungeons. Um, but that's it's on Halloween, and so yes, the first time Harry hears the you know disembodied voice, which we later find out is the basilisk, right, is when he has detention with Lockhart. But that's only the first time he hears the voice. The first time when they find Mrs. Norris, it's on Halloween night. After the death day party. They leave the death day party Mm -hmm. because Harry hears the voice again and they hurry. You know, they're trying to follow the voice. Ron and Hermione are following after him because they're like, what the heck are you talking about? And they run into, they start splashing in water and they're like, what on earth? And then they see the message on the wall and Mrs. Norris. And I think it's important that not only would the death day party scene have been just like fun and kind of funny yes. to see. Well, and um, all the headless horsemen arrive at this yeah, party. Like the headless hunt they play like headless obnoxious. games and they're the most annoying mm-hmm. people. And you feel bad for Nick, which like gives him yep. more of a personality. Which then makes you feel worse later on when. He gets Nick, you know, petrified. he gets petrified in a ghostly way. Right. Which really um, fast. I'm, I'm just going to tangent for a second, but it'll come back in the books. You care about every single person slash animal slash ghost who gets petrified because they build up the story with Harry mm-hmm. before it happens in the movie. You're like, Mrs. Norse, who cares? Like, who is that? Nearly guy? held this Nick. Who cares? You don't you don't Colin, really know who or really care cares about Justin F- Fitzgerald. <laughs> but in, in the books, you care. Yeah, because before Nick invites Harry to his headless party, Harry's like wandering after detention, after the weird voice thing. And he runs into Nick, nearly headless Nick. And he's like, hey, you look kind of sad. What's up? 
And then he learns about him being rejected from the headless mm-hmm. hunt. And then Filch comes. Well, Mrs. Norris and then Filch comes and is like, what are you doing out of bed? Oh, and he came. Oh, no, it was after Quidditch. So he was in muddy yeah, robes. It was after Quidditch practice. So he's mad because his robes were muddy. He's leaving Filch mud on the floor and Filch would have it. to clean it. So and he Filch had like gets, the flu. So he was like in an especially bad mood. So he brings Harry back to his office. And the only way Harry gets away is because nearly headless Nick convinces Peeves, who's again, not in this at all, to make yeah. a big commotion. <laughs> So he gets away and nearly has Nick comes up to Harry. And he's like, did it, did it work? Are you like, you didn't get detention, right? And Harry's like, yeah, it was great. Thanks so much. And it like, they mm-hmm. build this bond. And then. It shows this camaraderie. Yeah. Nick's like, hey, can you come to my party? And Harry's like, yeah, you just helped me get out of detention. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you did me a solid. I'll do you a solid. <laughs> so then when nearly had Nick gets petrified, Harry's like more personally involved with it. Not Same to with Mrs. That in the Norris. Movie, it just shows him the way he normally looks, kind of, but just like frozen. And yeah. in the book, it describes that it's like instead of the silvery white, he basically looked like a shadow where he, he was, was like, like smoky black. And he was supposed to be horizontal. He was supposed to be like mm-hmm. laying down almost. Oh, yeah, with, which is weird for a ghost. Uh huh. And like Mrs. Norris, it's a big deal because he had that whole thing with Filch where Filch got almost gave him detention. So that's why Filch is like, so well and the whole thing where he figures out that filch is a squib which harry doesn't mm-hmm. know what the heck that is but a squib is a uh, person with magical parents yeah. who doesn't have magic and so filch thinks that harry killed his cat because he's like he found out all this stuff and he's like thinks i'm out for him so he killed my it cat explains why filch targets harry a bit more yeah same with but also why- the death day party is also originally where they meet moaning myrtle that's true because they it's they a know ghost her. party and she shows up. Hermione because she's at the party because she's one of the castle's ghosts so she was invited and Hermione's like oh no wait let's not go over there like because yeah. she sees Myrtle and she's like ah and that's when she explains there's this bathroom nobody uses it because Moaning Myrtle haunts one of the toilets mm-hmm. and blah 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 and so that's when they first meet Moaning Myrtle um but then also going back to what I originally said um, when they find Mrs. Norris, then the feast ends, the Halloween feast ends, and everybody, you know, going back to their dorms or whatever, come and they just see, you know, the message on the wall, the cat, and then Harry, Ron, and Hermione standing there. Yeah. Um, and the teachers are all like, well, how do we know it wasn't you? Blah, 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 blah. And, and in the movie, Lockhart's all like, Oh, I can vouch for him. He was just with me, blah, 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 blah. But that's not the case. In the book, he, they were at a death day party with a bunch of ghosts, which none of them are there and can vouch for them for where they were and why they weren't at the feast. And also in the in the movie, it shows Snape. You know, in the book, Snape does go. Maybe they were just at the wrong place at the wrong time, which in the movie makes, you know, Snape apologists be like, oh, he's not that bad. In the book... Snape then follows that with, though it does beg the question, why weren't you at the feast and blah, 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 blah. And so in the movie, it? And there's still you know a what? little maybe bit of we that. Should, maybe we should give them detention anyway. And maybe we should, you know, it, it just goes to show again how really not nice Snape is and how Snape really does just target Harry and then his friends for no good reason. <laughs> um, yeah. And but like it. Again, with the petrification, 
with Mrs. Norris, after that happens, they don't all talk about it right there in the hallway. Dumbledore takes them to Lockhart's room, like office, because Lockhart's like, my room's the closest. Come, you can come to my office. And they Mm -hmm. go there and talk about it. So it's not like they're like awkwardly in this hallway. We're like in front of a bunch of people in front of the blood and stuff like, no, they go to an office. It's just Dumbledore, Snape, McGonagall and Filch. Like Mrs. Sprout isn't there. And Lockhart, Lockhart's there because it's his office. And he's like, oh, and she must have been killed Lockhart by and this. And she must have blah, 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 blah. Oh, it's too bad I wasn't there. I would have known the exact charm to fix it. Save and, her. No, the exact antic. It's just. Yeah. But and so they do a good job. Again, they do a good job with Lockhart in the movie. Oh, yeah. But like that's Mrs. Norris. And then you care about nearly had to snick. Colin's in it way more. Like, mm-hmm. kind of annoying Harry. So that's why everyone thinks that Harry's the heir of Slytherin. Because they're like, he's been connected to all these people. And like, Flynn F- F- Fletcher dude. Just, Justin? Justin Fletch Fletchley? <laughs> yes, that guy. Is like, I let it slip to Harry that I'm muggle-born. Like, because I they knew it was coming. together. The Gryffindors didn't have Herbology with Slytherin. They had Herbology they had with, with Hufflepuffs. Hufflepuffs. So that's how yeah. they, he lets it slip. And so all the Hufflepuffs are like thinking it's Harry because they're like, oh, you went after him. And like the snake went after him. And to be fair, there is a deleted scene that shows because, yeah, in the book, there's this whole scene with Harry overhearing Ernie, one of the Hufflepuff kids talking to Hannah, another Hufflepuff and some others about, you know, how and why Justin's like hiding in the Hufflepuff dormitory and and all these theories and reasonings they have for believing Harry is and it's, the heir of Slytherin. And there is a deleted scene in the movie that has part of that conversation. But it's a deleted scene, which means most people who have watched the movie haven't seen it. Well, and it's on Harry's way back from overhearing that conversation that he runs into Justin and nearly had the snake. And then Ernie yep. straight up shows up and it's like caught in the act, like caught red handed. I caught you. And Professor McGonagall's like, shut your face. Get out of here. Like, oh, no. and then she tells Ernie, she like conjures up a fan and tells and Ernie to like blow, blow Nick. nearly headless <laughs> Nick to the like, hospital. Wing. Yeah, no. So it's like you care more. And all of the petrifications are directly related to Harry. So in the yeah. book, you're like, no wonder everyone thinks he's the of Slytherin. Like everything is kind of directly related to him. Whereas in the movie, everyone just seems like accusatory. Rude people. Well, it just seems like such mob mentality in the movie that isn't really backed by anything. But it does make I mean, there's still a lot of mob mentality, but it seems backed by a little bit more fact in the book than it does in the yeah. movie. Or not even fact, but just coincidence. But mm-hmm. all right, sorry, I took over your number two by going on about how the petrifications no. were connected. <laughs> but it, but it all, but it all connects, right? And yeah, again, it's they, they, they chose to introduce different characters differently, and by doing so, I understand they have a time length they have to keep it within, and the Death Day party would have been too long. I get it, mm-hmm. but I just think it would have been interesting to see and added a bit more of a dynamic so yeah um before we get to number one i we've kind of already mentioned a bunch of honorable mentions yeah we've (laughs) just been throwing them in amongst our our top three grievances here but 
Um, any other honorable mentions that you would like to talk about before we get to number one? I have a positive one. The actress who plays Mrs. Weasley. A plus job. I and Mr. Weasley, too. Like the actor that plays him is great, too. They do an amazing job. Mrs. Weasley in that first scene when she comes out and she's like, it's empty. Like, no, no, <laughs> you could have been killed. And like, just goes off that part. Like, sold me. I was like, this is Mrs. Weasley. Like, this is what I pictured oh, in the she's book. Totally. Oh, she's, she's fantastic. Perfect. And I mean, that carries on throughout the rest of the movies. She does a phenomenal job. A plus casting on her well, part. Even and in the first, even in the first movie where she doesn't have a massive like role. Like, no, she, you only see mom her talks bit. about his mom. Right. And like, you can see that, like, she sent him a sweater and all this different stuff. Like, mm -hmm. but in person, she's not in it a whole lot. But even in just that, like one small scene, she's fantastic, even in the first one. So, yeah. But I feel like this this movie is where you really get to see her more and you see her personality and how hilarious she is and like the howler like julie walters is the actress's name she's amazing and so that whole yeah so i just had to give a shout out for the casting of the weasleys there mr and mrs weasley they're super great super funny the way mr weasley's like you took the car how did it go and like yeah. he gets all excited and, and she like, like gives him a look and he's like no that was Don't very do bad, that. boys. <laughs> like, they do a great job portraying how I pictured Mr. and Mrs. Weasley in the book. They really bring those characters to life in my mind. Yeah. Something that... Another good thing... So I, I mentioned that Kenneth Branagh was perfect, but I also think that yes. Jason Isaacs was a fantastic cast for Lucius Malfoy. Oh, yeah. He... Just gives those vibes that just he's so perfect. Or one thing I wish we got to see that you see in the book is during that scene in the bookstore with Lucius being a jerk and Mr. Malfoy or like or no. And Mr. Weasley comes over and is like, we should just go outside like and they have that really rude conversation where Lucius is like, you're a disgrace, blah, blah, blah. You have no money. All these rude things. And. and and Mr. Walfoy says we have very different ideas of what, you know, Mr. Weasley, Mr. Weasley says that. Yeah. What did I say? Mr. Malfoy. I know Mr. it's Malfoy. very confusing. Whoops. Yeah. But no, Mr. In Weasley. the book, Mr. Weasley tackles Mr. Malfoy. Oh, yeah. They, they get up in a straight up fight. <laughs> Can you also, imagine? In that scene, Ron goes to attack Malfoy as well. Yeah. Like little Malfoy. Weasley's attacking Malfoy. <laughs> like, like, I... I think that they easily could have added that because, I mean, they already had the scene and gosh, I just think it would have been, been so, so funny, funny. Oh, my gosh. And there's like and the little Molly's shop like, attendant doing the example you're setting for our yes. children. And like, <laughs> the shop attendants like, get out. What are you doing? And like, it's just oh, man. But yeah, he Lucius Malfoy again. So good. Such a great job at being the worst person ever. <laughs> Yeah. So good job there, Jason Isaacs. Mm -hmm. um, another. So this is something that kind of I just don't understand it. So and it wasn't big enough to be a top three, but pretty dang close. Um, so for whatever reason, they felt this need to make the flying car scene when they're flying the car to Hogwarts, like especially dramatic with like Harry almost falling out of the car and all this yeah. stuff that doesn't happen in the book. And then they like 
minimized the drama from the Aragog scene in the Forbidden Forest, because in the book, they're going through the forest. They're following the trail of spiders. Also, Ron is not doing it as hesitantly as they show him doing it in the movie. Ron's like, well, we've come this far. We might as well keep going. Whereas in the movie, they show him just being super afraid and freaked out the whole time. Which when you first and see the spiders, Ron is super freaked out. But he mans up. Yeah. You know, so to speak. I don't want to, you know, woman up, whatever. But he is a man. Yeah. So I'm going to say manned <laughs> up in this case. <laughs> And so they're following the spiders and then they get distracted by a loud noise in the forest and it turns out to be the car. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, my gosh. It's, and, and Ron's like, oh, my gosh, it's our car. And he's like not freaked out at all anymore. And he's like, wow, the forest has turned it wild, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then they're like, crap, we lost the trail of spiders. Do you see it anywhere? And then all of a sudden they are lifted off the ground by giant spiders yes. <laughs> like <laughs> all three of them harry ron and their and hagrid's dog fang are mm -hmm. carried to aragog by some creepy of these spider style creepy <laughs> big spiders and then the conversation with aragog also you know there's there's more to it they go into more detail there yeah they definitely cut it down which is mm -hmm. kind of annoying because i'm like that car scene at the beginning easily could have been cut down it was kind of just like a waste of movie time of movie time and like, they, I didn't again need, they made it dramatic extra dramatic for no I reason i didn't need to like, see all that it could have been five seconds they could have gotten the car started flying boom cut whomping willow that's all yeah, i needed which is basically how it happens in the book <laughs> yeah like they get cold the and tired and wish they had were on the train car is hitting the whomping willow <laughs> which they don't even land in the whomping willow they land next to it and then it attacks. Well, they hit them. the trunk. They do. They hit it, but they don't land. They don't in like it. land in it like they do in the. Yeah. yeah. So that's just something that I'm like, why add the drama and you know that it takes up a big chunk of time the in valuable the valuable time. <laughs> and instead, yeah, don't do the Aragog scene as much justice. Mm -hmm. Same with Tom Riddle. There's much more banter and talk and explanation. Um, between Tom Riddle and Harry Potter in the Chamber of Secrets that gets significantly cut down. And I'm like, that feels like it's more meaty and much more important than flying in a car. Well, in the long run, especially. <laughs> and Harry almost falling out. <laughs> yeah, so it was kind of dumb, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, I think I have one more honorable mention that I wanted to say with Dumbledore. So this sadly is the last movie with this Dumbledore. I know. Richard Harris, everyone. He's so good. But one thing, and I mean, it's like, again, I feel bad, like picking on this Dumbledore because he's so much better than the next one. Oh, my but gosh, this is, yes. <laughs> this is almost a jab at the next one preemptively. Like <laughs> the way that he, Dumbledore comes in when after the Whomping Willow, he comes in and hold on. I want to find the way that it says it, because it's like. Harry says that he wishes Dumbledore would have just gotten mad. Yeah, because he just yeah, looks it would have been better if he had shouted. Harry hated the disappointment in his voice. Like Dumbledore's not he doesn't get angry. He's very like calm and he's like just disappointed 
in Harry and Ron, but he doesn't get mad. And like, I'm not saying he does in the movie, but I just think that it's an important key to note now as we go into the next couple of movies Dumbledore next couple the rest the, the rest, rest of yeah. the movies <laughs> Dumbledore doesn't like get mad and yell and stuff like that like he's, he's like he's, he's he's like the mentor you look up to so much that when they're all like I'm not mad I'm just disappointed and it like hurts even more like that you wish that's they Dumbledore. had shouted like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it's like he is just such a calm put together man and there's a reason, like, everyone looks up to him. And yeah, he's a little kooky, which they mentioned in the first one and they mentioned again in this book. Like, he's got his quirks. He's a little quirky mm-hmm. sometimes. Like, when, at Christmas, he directs them all in singing Christmas carols. And he <laughs> loves it. Um, but, like, when it comes to serious stuff, he's serious, but never... He doesn't let his emotions he's not control rash him. and angry and, yeah. Because... Also, I figured this out. I did a little bit of math. Let's say that Dumbledore was like 50 in the flashback. That well, would still it was make 50 him 50 years ago. That'd still make him 100 now. And I think they say in a later book exactly how old he is. I think he's like 130 or something like that. He's old. And when you're old like that, you kind of have to have it figured out. So I'm like, you're not some like emotional teenager who's like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe you did that. Blah, 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 blah. I'm so upset. Like, he's just calm, level headed, chill, dude. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know if we ever get his exact age. I think they guess. I, I think know Ron he's, and I know he's over 100 years it. old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, I figured out that uh, Voldemort was like 50 when he tried to kill Harry. Yeah, because he, he was, was 16 in the 16 flashback. 50 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, Harry is was one when they when he mm-hmm. tried to kill him. So you do a little bit of math and he's like in his 50s. Like, That's pretty old. Not super and old. Again, Not calling 50 year olds old. But <laughs> one of the things I mentioned before, he was 50. Majority of the people following him but also slash fighting against him were in their 20s mm-hmm. you know which i think really shows something the first episode. because i think that age difference is much more crucial in the whole scheme of things because you really realize like yeah a lot of people followed him because like he was this older man who probably seemed very powerful and wise and all these younger people were like, yeah. In the book, Dumbledore even says, amazing. Tom Riddle was amazing. He was pro- he's he's probably the greatest student we've ever had at Hogwarts. Like, yeah. Like Dumbledore he was admits it. <laughs> he was good at what he did, which was being bad, but like it makes sense when you think about that age. And that's kind of off topic so we can get back to the main points, but like, it, I just thought it was interesting. I figured yeah. that out this time reading it through. I finally did the math. <laughs> All right. Number one. Number one. Finally get into it. Um, OK, so my number one kind of boils down to how the movie makes use of convenience. It relies on what's convenient more than on 
actually deciding what's important. A couple of points about that. They take out characters because they're like, Mm -hmm. I mean, they just didn't want to put them in. For instance, it's not Professor Professor McGonagall that tells them about the Chamber of Secrets. It's their history of magic teacher, Professor Binns, who's a ghost. And Mm -hmm. he's the one that tells them. And I get they were like, we already have an actor for Professor McGonagall. I don't want to get some ghost dude. So we'll just have her do it. Like, again, it's just convenient. Or they take out like how they took out Penelope Clearwater. Yeah, they, they, they or they'll just take out scenes because they like with the death day thing, like that would have been a whole lot of work. They took it out the car. They already had the flying car, so they just dragged that scene out. Like they're like, we already made the set to have them flying in the sky in this car, so we'll just use it for longer because it was convenient mm-hmm. or having all of the classes with Slytherins because they're like, we already have the mm-hmm. Slytherins cast. Let's not get any more extras. Let's just have them have all their glasses <laughs> with the Slytherins, which would suck. Like it also, they do have potions with the Slytherins. They That's do have accurate. potions and they had in the first one, they did have flying lessons with them, but like mm-hmm. they have herbology with the Hufflepuffs. They have transfiguration with, I think the Hufflepuffs. I think they, yeah, it's also with the Hufflepuffs. Like they have, History I, the of Professor Bin's one, the, the history of magic ones with Ravenclaw. With Ravenclaw. Like, it's mixed up. Like, it's not like you you would stick Gryffindor and Slytherin together all the time. That'd be a terrible idea. <laughs> it really would, though. <laughs> and so it's like a lot of the time stuff happens and Malfoy's there because he's in the class because the Slytherins are in the class. And you're like, no, Malfoy doesn't hear this. Like, Malfoy doesn't know this happens straight up. I mean, I'm sure he hears about it from someone else, but like. He's always there, like, smirking. And I'm like, you're not even supposed to be here, kid. <laughs> yeah. And, like, but there's it just... It was convenient to put him there. Yeah, and there's just weird, like, where they just cut stuff or they'll add in, like, weird scenes to try to, like, piece t- stuff together. And it's just because it, it's convenient. And so, obviously, I get that there's only so much time in the movie. But as we mentioned before, like, with that car scene at the beginning... That takes up a good amount of time that could have been like 20 seconds. Yeah. And instead they were like, well, we already bought the set and did all of this. So we'll just make this one five minutes long and cut out more important stuff like the conversation with Tom Riddle at the end. Yeah. So that's like my biggest problem with this whole thing is. I just wish that. Instead of, I mean, um, and I'm sure this was only the second one. I don't know what their budget was like. So I'm sure when they did have something, they Mm -hmm. did want to get their money's worth or whatever you want to say. But I wish that they had thought more from a perspective watchers perspective. Like a storyline perspective instead Uh of a. And like been like, really, what are the key points? Like, what is the most important stuff to tell? Instead of just being like, how do we make it dramatic and exciting and over the top? Which is something that they struggled with, I think, in the first book as well. Mm -hmm. First book adaptation into the movie. So again, they took out a lot of the fun because they wanted to make it more dramatic. And there's Mm -hmm. a lot of like the teasing and a lot of the fun stuff that they just took out. And I'm real bummed about it. Yeah. With you. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of... Speaking of a little bit, um, that goes into my number one 
which is the final scene in Dumbledore's office. Mm. So in the book, it's not Dumbledore's office. It's McGonagall's office. Also, Mr. and Mrs. Weasley are there. So is McGonagall and Dumbledore. So Harry and Ron walk in with Ginny and Lockhart. Mr. and Mrs. Weasley are freaking out because they were there because they thought, you know, Ginny had been brought into the chamber and was dead, basically. Which makes sense that you would have her parents there. Yeah. Um, So And I mean, it's possible in the movie they like were in the hospital wing because we don't see Ginny after that. No, exactly. We don't see. But but exactly. It it was this is why I said it kind of connects to what yours was. It was more convenient. Yeah. To to have less people in the scene. As many people in the scene. Um, But in the book. It just I I don't know. It makes a lot more sense to me because it's like they're all there. And Harry kind of explains as much as he can. He doesn't want to incriminate Ginny. He's like all worried. He doesn't want to get her expelled. And he like makes eye contact with Dumbledore and Dumbledore goes and Dumbledore's the one that says very interesting how Voldemort was able to, you know, bewitch Ginny and, and, and do all of this. How unfortunate for her. And of course, she won't be punished for this. And then mm. Harry was like so relieved and he's like, oh, my gosh, so I can show you this diary now. <laughs> like, yes. He didn't want to. Um, well, and, and, it shows and that Ginny is weeping. It shows know, that Harry it, it cares about Ginny. Ginny. Yes. Which is something the books do great and the movies do a terrible job of. In the books, <laughs> you slowly but surely see that Harry does care about Ginny. Maybe in the beginning more in a little sister role, but I mean, that builds into romance eventually. And in mm-hmm. the movies, it's like, where did this come from? <laughs> yeah. Well, and so and also just in general, like Ginny is weeping in the book. She kind of like wakes up and she's just like, Harry, it was me. Blah, blah, blah. And then she's like smiling and happy when they're flying uh-huh. away with the Phoenix. And it's like, no, she's a sobbing mess. She feels super guilty. She's afraid she's going to get expelled, all this stuff. So that gets cleared up. And then McGonagall's like, hey, or it might have been Dumbledore. I think it was McDon- McGonagall who's like, OK, Mr. and Mrs. Weasley, why don't you take Ginny up to the hospital wing? She should probably be checked out by Miss Madam Pomfrey. Yeah. They go off and do that. Then... um. They talk about like, hey, Lockhart, I'm surprised you haven't talked about you haven't, you know, boasted yourself in this yet. And that's when Ron's like, um, well, he got no memories. <laughs> this thing happened. Um, and so then Dumbledore's like, why don't you can you please escort Lockhart to the hospital wing? And then he says to McGonagall, he's like, I think this, you know, calls for a feast. Will you go tell the kitchens and get them ready? I'd like to speak to Mr. Potter a little bit longer. They're talking. Malfoy bursts in. Lucius Malfoy bursts in. He's all like, I heard you were back, blah, blah, blah. He's got Dobby with him. In the movie, I feel like it's really weird that Dobby, his house elf, is just randomly with him in this scene. Yes. In the book, it explains that Lucius was in such a hurry when he found out that he didn't tell Dobby to stop polishing his shoes. And so Dobby is like still trying to like finish polish, finish because it says like his shoes are half polished, his hair's unkempt. It like was very clear that he kind of just like got up and and came in a hurry. Um, And that's why Dobby's with him. Um, 
and 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 for the most part the talking and back and forth between lucius and and dumbledore and harry is pretty accurate from that point it's like decent yeah but a big thing that they don't do um that i wish they had because i don't know in the movie you're kind of like well why jenny you Mm -hmm. know like doesn't make sense that a gryffindor would be the heir of slytherin blah 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 you know like why jenny but in the book dumbledore specifically says and it says like a clever plan said Dumbledore in a level voice, still staring Mr. Malfoy straight in the eye. Because if Harry here and his friend Ron hadn't discovered this book, why Ginny Weasley might have taken all the blame. And imagine what might have happened then. The Weasleys are one of our most prominent pureblood families. Imagine the effect on Arthur Weasley and his Muggle Protection Act. Like, yeah, it, it kind of shows and explains the reasoning why Mr. Malfoy targeted Ginny. Yeah, because partially the hatred for the mouth or blah, the Weasleys particularly, <laughs> but also his hatred for muggles and how muggles and muggle borns would have been if affected had the Weasleys had this big downfall kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was that 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 was a big thing that I think should have been included, wouldn't have been that hard to include in the conversation, because like I said, the rest of that conversation, other than the fact that Harry basically accuses Malfoy that like, hey, you forgot your book. This is your book. You're the one who gave it to Jenny. Um, he does that in front of Dumbledore and Dumbledore yeah. basically goes like, yeah, I, I know that's true. And yeah. Mr. Malfoy's <laughs> like, we'll prove it. And it's like, you're right. We can't prove it, but we know it happened. So um, <laughs> you and he gets sacked. Uh, it doesn't mention that at all in the movie either, but he gets sacked and he's no longer a governor for the school. Yeah, which is good because of the whole, you know, threatening, threatening and, and the other governors Dumble, because Dumbledore's suspension. there should be some like kickback from that, from threatening oh, the other governor's sure. families. Like he can't just get away with that. Like it's nothing. Yeah. So just some in, I, I feel like those are some important details that again also tie into future books and future mm-hmm. scenes especially with draco and you know some more of the animosity there and yeah and then it's just yeah. it so was kind of weird in the movie the way that the movie ended yeah like because the, the I, book ends with them on the train back home which I get, they were like, that's how the first one ended. I don't want to end the second one in the same way. But like, it ends where everyone's just... the books end. It's, everyone's just clapping for Hagrid coming back. <laughs> like, don't get yeah. me wrong, I love Hagrid. He's great. And but everyone like, is really happy to see, like, those who had been petrified come back. And, but it's and not Hagrid just to be returned Hagrid from coming back. Like, it's just Hagrid yeah, shows up in the book. and then everyone starts clapping. It's like one of those stories where you hear and it's like, I did this and then everyone clapped. And you're like, yeah, that yeah, didn't happen. Like, that, that didn't happen. And it didn't in the book. So No. So I just thought it was kind of like a weird, awkward ending to the movie where I was like, OK, like, why is Dumbledore clapping for Hagrid being back? Yeah, I feel like a, a better, a more fitting ending would have been the ending of the book where Again, not just Ron, Harry, and Hermione, but Ron, Harry, Hermione, Fred, George, and Ginny, like all of mm-hmm. 
are sitting together on the train ride back, like having fun and kind of goofing off. I feel like that would have been. Well, and it would have ended it. And also Harry being like, here's a telephone number. Ron, I explained to your dad how phone works. Yes. Call me this time. So like my letters don't disappear because of a house elf. Like, yeah. And I feel like that would have been still a lighthearted note to end on. But mm-hmm. it just would have shown like that the danger was over and they were like having fun one last time before Harry has Summer. to go back to the Dursleys. Yeah. Which is where he'll be miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Which we'll get into next time. <laughs> next time. But um, we've got one fan. I guess this is the segment now of the podcast where we share our fan faux pas yeah so Um, that's all those are our opinions now we're gonna share fan faux pas we didn't get as many responses this week i think it might be because the second book slash movie is generally the least favorite one which i kind of get I, I put get off it too. watching this movie because I was like, eh, I don't really like this it movie. Personally, it, it is my it is personally my least favorite book Same. of the series and my least favorite movie. Not to say it's a bad book or a bad movie, but just, of the seven, it's my it's just not my fa- it's, it's just, not my favorite. It's just not my favorite. <laughs> no. So then I feel like a lot of people feel that way. So no one has as strong of opinions about it because they're like, meh, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but we do have one which um so mariah m um and she makes a really good point here she said chamber of secrets was the best tom riddle captured mm-hmm. the charisma everyone says he had um and yeah, i totally he, he agree and we, we didn't touch on that at all but yeah in later books it also talks about how charming and handsome and and good with words and how everybody loved Loved him him. as tom riddle um and in later books when they show tom riddle he's he's always he always comes across as like creepy and it's like that's not who tom riddle was he was charming no i wish they had kept the second movie tom riddle throughout the rest mm -hmm. of them because he was perfect he was exactly how i pictured him yeah because they say he kind of like looked like his dad, who was this super hot dude. And like, <laughs> yeah. And like, it makes sense. If there was some creepy kid at my school, I would not want to be friends with him. I would not care what he had to say. I'd be like, you're weird no. and creepy. Please leave but me it's alone. Like, it, they t- it talks about how all the professors loved him. All the students loved him. Everybody loved him. All the girls <laughs> loved him because yep. he was hot. <laughs> and charming and, I, and he had I know charisma it's and terrible to say but in the world we live in when someone's hot they get away with a lot more <laughs> yeah, they do. not saying it's justified just saying it's a fact it happens that's a fact so it's like yeah no wonder no one suspected him through all those years because they were like look at him <laughs> he's great right. um so yeah that's the only fan faux pas we have this week um but it's a good one 100 percent agree it's a good one um if you have any thoughts on any of the harry potter books or other books right we're not just going to be doing harry potter we will eventually be doing i mean we've talked about percy jackson series lord of the rings hunger Hobbit, games hunger games 
Twilight. I don't know. <laughs> There's lots, right? There's we lots. Plan to get and to. if you have one that you want us to do after the Harry Potter series, obviously we're going to be doing this one for the first little while, but if you have one that you would like us to talk about, please let us know because there are a million out there. So if you give us an idea of what you want to hear, it'll put it we'll up take on it our into list. Consideration. So we'll get to but it. If quicker. you have thoughts about anything, you can send an email to tbwbpodcast at gmail.com and just put whatever book slash movie it is that you're talking about as a subject line so that when we go to do that episode, um, we'll just, you know, search for that in our inbox and we'll find it that way. Or we also share on our social media before we record um, an episode we ask on Instagram stories, Instagram posts, Facebook and Twitter for your thoughts there as well. So um, you can share. And even if you don't see the post, you can always send us a message. I'd be yeah, like, hey, can slide I don't know when DMs. you're doing this one, but when you are, here's my thoughts. Yep. And we will take that into consideration and probably feature it in the podcast yeah. or at least on our social media. And yeah, if we don't have time to get to everyone's in a podcast episode, we'll still share um, in stories or on a post or something. We'll 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 still share everyone's thoughts. So I think that just leaves to ask the final question. Taylor, was the book better? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it was <laughs> not. I mean, I'm going to be honest again. This one's not my favorite, but like it's a close call. I think this, that this, the movie this movie pretty is good. pretty close. The, yeah, Chris Columbus and, and Steve Cloves. We say this with the with the first movie too. They do a pretty good job. Like, like we, I think there's some of the best interpretations. They're also the smaller books, so it is easier. It's to a fit little bit easier. As, it's easier to fit mm -hmm. more into the movie. I get that as we go further on, but like. It was a it's a close call, but there's just you get more in the book that you don't get in the movie that mm -hmm. I think is more important. So I think the book is better. Agreed. But, but do you agree? If you disagree, <laughs> please come over to our social media and let us know. Yeah. Do you agree with us? Um, are we right? Are we wrong in your eyes? Do you have any other thoughts or things you'd like to share? Um the Facebook page is a great spot, especially to discuss those things. Um, and other listeners can also chime in if they agree or disagree and yeah. come That's talk to the us hard about thing. it. That's the hard thing about a podcast is it's not like it has comments or anything like that. So definitely go over to our Facebook or our Instagram or Twitter or whatever, all at TBWB podcast and get some conversations started over there. We'd love to chat with you guys get some feedback get some input from you and have some conversations about the books and the movies that we can't the reason we're doing have. this podcast because we 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 enjoy talking about books and movies and missed you know having that opportunity to do it so this is our excuse to let us do one of our favorite pastimes so so if uh, you come also join the conversation 
miss talking about books and movies with people, then <laughs> come on over. Especially during this pandemic where you can't see anybody in person. Come yeah. do it with us virtually. <laughs> exactly. Um, but tune in in two weeks. Not every week. Sorry. Again, don't have the time for that. But no. in two weeks. Every time, other week. Every other week. Yep. Um, join us as we talk about Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, which is my personal favorite. So, yeah, it's up there. I'm very excited about it. So if you want to re watch the movie, reread the book in advance, you've got two weeks to do it. I believe in you. I believe Come join in you. us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, and we will see you then. So bye bye. Goodbye.